This is Worship God, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Canada. Worship God is designed to equip worshipers and worship leaders for Christ-centered worship. Well, welcome back to Season 2 of the TGC Podcast, Worship God Podcast. Uh, my name is Pat Savell, and I'm one of the worship pastors. I am the worship pastor at Midtown Church in Vancouver. And with me today is Rob Brockman, associate pastor at Cornerstone Church in really Ontario, and Jody Cross, lead pastor at South Shore Bible Church in Barrie, Ontario. And finally, our very special guest, my dear friend for uh, Bob, a lot of years, at least 25 years. Uh, Bob Coughlin, who is the director of Sovereign Grace Music and serves as a pastor who oversees the music and does pastoral care at Sovereign Grace Church of Louisville, Kentucky. Guys, welcome. And, and Bob, a very warm welcome to you from all of us. Thanks so much for doing this. It is a joy. Yeah, I'm we, so happy to be here. And we really, this is a re- really appreciate you being on this podcast today. This is a reschedule because you were sick the last time we tried to do this. I'm so uh, glad you're healthy. Yeah, doing doing well. Thanks be to God for that. Yeah, um, Bob, you've been uh, a huge gift to me personally uh, over the many years. Um, just been Same. a dear dear friend, and I know that you've been a gift to many of our listeners as well through through the books you've written. Uh, the songs you've written and the songs that you've helped uh, countless others write. Um, your blog, more recently, the Sound Plus Doctrine podcast. And mm. I, I wanted to introduce you. I asked the guys if I could be the one today to introduce you because I, I wanted our listeners to know uh, that that you are the real deal. <laughs> Uh, I, I've spent a lot of time with you over the years. Uh, yes, uh, we have. I've, I've stayed in your home many times. I've observed your marriage, your relationship with Julie, uh, your parenting up close. I've had the privilege mm. of uh, crashing your house with more than 20-plus songwriters many times, uh, taking up every room and space available for three uh, days straight. Uh, early mornings, late nights, and you take all that in stride. Um, uh, you you are the real deal, and the way in which you love Jesus and His church is exemplary. Um, you're, you're never telling people to live a certain way without living, modeling what you're calling others to do. And mm. and uh, I know my life has just been richly um, blessed. My life has been. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I've grown immensely by mm. by having you as a friend and observing your your love for Jesus and your love for the church. I think in a day, an mm. age where we he, we hear more and more people talking talking about ministry, talking about how to do ministry, uh, but sometimes it feels like we talk less about our relationship with Jesus and the glory mm. of Christ mm. and the the beauty of Jesus. But Bobby. Every time I hang out with you, I always leave greatly encouraged because your ministry is deeply connected to an abiding relationship with Jesus. And mm. so your love for the gospel, your love for Jesus, your love for people, your love for the church is, 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 is just wonderful. Uh, I was talking to somebody a few days ago in my office and just saying, 
you know, the, the need to be believable um, when, when we're on stage, whatever we're doing there in private, we, we have this love for Jesus that, that, that really qualifies us to be on stage. And, and, and that's the guy you are. And so I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just grateful to God for you. I thank you for, for being believable all these years. And I really am excited about uh, this podcast and the fact that we get to um, ask you a bunch of questions about, about your book, Worship Matters. And so looking forward mm. to it. That's very encouraging. That's very humbling. And I'm just happy to be your friend. It's great. Bob, I had a chance to, uh, I guess, meet you for the very first time in Chicago. You were part of a conference there, and I was sitting in the back row drinking it all in. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We made the long trek from Barrie, Ontario, down to Louisville twice for Worship God conferences, not disappointed in the least. Uh. And uh, I think that was really the first time that you and I maybe had you know, a significant conversation and your hospitality just, Sean, as Pat was saying, because mm. uh, you invited a stranger over to your house at about 1130 at night. <laughs> I was amazed that you had steam <laughs> after day two or something and you were still going strong uh, after midnight. Your your wife had, had prepared a, just a whole house full of food and uh, yeah. I sure appreciated your heart and your hospitality. And it's been good to get to know you came up to, to Barrie to do worship mm. conference at our church. And so it's a privilege to call you friend and... Uh. Uh, to be someone who's a colleague of yours, and, and you have been an inspiration to me. Thank you so much mm. for your, your ministry. And uh, Thanks, worship, yo, you're very welcome. Worship Matters has been a, a blessing to me. My copy is pretty dog-eared, and, and uh, the cover doesn't look so great. And I know that, not because it wasn't a good design, mind you, because what I've done. Okay, I've we done could have it. used a different cover, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in fact, I'll get to that, because I did help create a different cover. Uh, okay. We've used the... We've used the, uh, the book personally, I've used it, and then with uh, worship teams that I've been part of, but uh, you and Crossway a few years ago were very gracious. I had an idea. I've been doing some work in Albania, mm. and I came to you and Crossway and said, is there a possibility of us translating this book into the Albanian language? Mm. And so here's the redesigned uh, book right here. That's what Worship oh, Matters wow. looks like in Albanian. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Bob, I have but, uh, not seen that. Yeah, and so uh, Mark Dever, uh, Mark Dever's comments on the back are actually translated into Albanian along with wow. all the, uh, the all- oh, man. recommendations. So so that was a blessing. And uh, 25 years, really, or a little bit more, the Albanian church has been in existence. And I want to tell you and just thank oh. you again for what you, you wrote because uh, this is the first worship book that the Albanian believers have ever had in the history of their, their nation. They have not ever wow. had a worship book in their language. So this was wow. the first one. And... Just about three years ago, I was able to unbox 300 copies of them and hand them out to the students that I was teaching. So what a blessing. Oh, Thank you so wow, much for doing that. Wow, wow. Yeah. That's and just amazing. Question for you. How many languages has the book been translated into? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I may have some on my shelf. I don't even know what language they are. Uh, I guess eight to ten. I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, Spanish, uh, Portuguese. Um, Russian, Ch- Chinese, um, Netherlands, uh, yeah, Dutch, um, Indonesian, I think. I don't know. Wow. I don't wow. know. But I'm just amazed that it gets translated. Yeah. 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 Well, for our listeners, so what we're going to do in this episode, we wanted to kind of 
pick Bob's brain on his book, Worship Ladders and Worship Matters, and we have some questions for him. And so, Bob, the, in your book, um, you talk about this moment in a couple's home. Um, it's under the section of the leader yeah, yeah. that sent you into this three-year battle with anxiety and ultimately led you to kind of this revelatory experience of realizing some of your own idols mm. in, in ministry. And there was some real character growth for you in that. What would you say <laughs> then are the key character lessons that you think a worship leader needs to experience? Now, maybe not the exact same experience that you went through, but what are the key things that, hey, if you're going to be serving the Lord and worship ministry, what do you got to get right mm. kind of at the start? Mm. Oh, man, Rob, that's a, that's, that could be a long question. I'll try to be brief and succinct. Uh, nothing has changed my life more than my love for Jesus Christ because he has loved me. I was just sharing with a college student this morning, actually she's graduated, but uh, saying, he's asked me how to stay, stay solid, in, solid in ministry. He was talking about all these ministers, pastors who just kind of crash and burn, or should crash and burn. They, they stay in ministry, but, but it does, it's not a real ministry. And he said, what, it makes me fearful, terrified of, of going into ministry. I said, he said, what do you need to do? And I said, well, you, you need to recognize that Jesus Christ has loved you. And you need to keep that in the forefront for your life. Guys crash and burn because they think it's more about uh, being used than being known. Now, just in Luke 10 this morning where Jesus is telling the disciples, don't rejoice that the demons submit to you, but that your names are written in the book of life. And a pre in a previous devotions I'd written next to it, you know, the, the, the main thing is not that we're being, that we're used, but that we're known. Never get over that. Never get over that. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to take the wrath of God for you. Mm. <laughs> Is there anything more incredible? It's just, that's the whole bag. That's the whole thing. And so you can't, we shouldn't be standing up in front of people talking about how great and glorious our God is and not really believe that Jesus is worthy of eternal, passionate praise and worship mm. and honor and adoration and treasuring and obedience. Mm. He is. Uh, he is the glory of God. Mm. We see God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So it, it's not complicated. It's hard because we are attracted to so many other things. So, but if mm. you know, we, we if we get to the practicals and and the tips and the methodology without a love for Jesus Christ, because He has first loved us. In other words, it's not about my love; it's about His love. Then we're going to get off track. There's no question we're getting off track. So, very closely related to that, I would say uh, your character is going to be shaped by your understanding of God. Your understanding of God is going to be shaped by your knowledge of His Word. Mm. The best place we have to know God is not our circumstances, not our experiences, not our opinions, not our speculations. It is the Word of God. And despite the you know thousands of people who have, who have uh, risen up to critique God's Word and, and bash it and say it's just a fable and just, you know, 
the Word of God continues to stand. It continues to change lives because it is God speaking to us. And where we find His Word, there we find God present. Mm-hmm. And I think too often we, we know things about the Word, but we don't know the Word. And if we don't know the Word, we're not going to know God very well. So it's kind of like uh, mm-hmm. if, if I was getting to know my wife and I just was content to know things kind of about her and didn't want to know her. Uh, if I want to know her, I need specifics. I need details. And if we want to know God, we need specifics. Mm-hmm. Because the world and our flesh and the devil are always giving us specifics about why, yeah. you know, we should try this, do this, go, pr- go after that, pursue this, be satisfied this, find joy in this. And only the Lord is, is able to satisfy. Only the Lord is sovereign. Only the Lord is the king. And by, by immersing ourselves in his word day after day after day after year after year after decade after decade, we just, we just come to realize, well, God is much bigger and much better than we thought he was. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then the third thing I'd add to that, we just, and the, the natural response of the first two is just humility. If you're not pursuing humility, you can just hang it up now. You should hang it up now. You know, if, if you're in ministry to prove that you can do something, be something better than somebody, better than you thought, whatever, uh, just just go find something else to do. I mean, you should be humble there, too, but, but you don't want to be in ministry and not, being, not pursue humility, which means at 66, I'm still asking, uh, how can I, I want to still be asking, how can I please the Lord better? How, how can I more reflect him? So I have a list of 10 things I pray through almost every day about myself, uh, just that are along the lines of, um, you know, don't, don't let me exalt myself. Don't let me occupy myself with things too great, too marvelous for me. Uh, let me be known more for my listening than my talking. Uh, let me exalt the ideas of others, of those around me, you know, those kinds of things, because I'm so prone to not do those things. Mm-hmm. But I want to be humble. I want to be humble. And it, it keeps you... I think, ever receptive to God's grace. So I'll stop there. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I've been going through 2 Corinthians, a study in 2 mm. Corinthians, and Paul, Paul essentially, repeatedly throughout that book, uses this line, this godly sincerity mm. line, mm. as his defense. It's like, hey, like, I'm, I'm genuine. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm sincere in what I am doing. And there is a freedom yeah. in when we kind of realize, like, yeah, I can say that. Like, I'm just genuinely just trying to love the Lord and serve the Lord and walk with him. There's a great liberty in that godly sincerity. And yeah, it certainly seems like a lot of people are struggling with that one uh, these days. And so we got we to gotta guard on that. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah, I was just thinking, Bob, about your comment of, you know, being in the face of God and and loving the word, uh, the Second Corinthians text in chapter three. This is the CSB, but he says we all, with unveiled faces, mm. are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, and are being mm. transformed in the same image from glory to glory. And mm-hmm. if we want godly character, um, beholding the glory of the Lord is is yeah. where that's going to come from. Amen. Yeah. And if I could just bring a, a, a maybe a, another practical note to it. If you're uh, if you're a guy with a family, 
uh, or if you know you're serving in some way as a girl uh, on in the band, your family matters. And after the, your relationship with the Lord, your family is top priority. And uh, you know, too many uh, ministers, people in ministry, uh, elevate their ministry over their family. And mm-hmm. my, the way I treat my wife is is much more important to the Lord than the way I lead. Because that reflects Jesus' relationship with the church and his love for his bride. And so I better, be, I better be sure that I am investing my main energies into my wife and my children hmm. uh, and not, not be one of those who sacrifices their family on the altar of ministry. Hmm. Um, it's just, oh man, it's just so easy to say. Uh, that's why we need those other three things, <laughs> you know, Jesus, the Word, and humility, because we need people helping us with those things. Amen. That's so good. Well, Bob, I got a question for you as well from the section of your book on the task. Um, mm. I love your definition of a worship leader that you give in chapter 6, and I, I use it often. But a faithful worship leader, this is what you write, magnifies the greatness of God in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, by skillfully combining God's word with music, thereby motivating the gathered church to proclaim the gospel, to cherish God's presence, mm. and to live for God's glory. And then you unpack that definition for the next te- 10 <laughs> chapters. Uh, and obviously there's way too much to cover in this podcast, but uh, a, a question, my question is on magnifying the greatness of God in Jesus Christ, chapter 8 and 9. Hmm. Uh, you quote John Owen, a, a Puritan pastor on page 62, and John Owen writes, We must not allow ourselves to be satisfied with vague ideas of the love of hmm. Christ, which present nothing of his glory to our minds. Hmm. And then you say, uh, vague ideas of God don't serve us or the people we lead if most of our songs could be sung by buddhist muslims or hindus it's time to change our repertoire and <laughs> i'd love your thought on the songs that we are present that are presently being written in the church at large yeah um, would you say that there's a lot of songs with vague ideas of god and then maybe a follow-up question would be could could you give some examples or some contrast maybe of songs that that have a clear, compelling message or an idea of God versus a vague idea song. Yeah, uh, there, I think I think songwriting has really improved in the last twenty years. Uh, you know, as a whole, uh, partly re- as a result of the modern hymns movement. You know, the Gettys have been in the forefront. Stuart Townend, we've tried to contribute to that. Double Grace, uh, different different folks have have contributed to that. A hymn being a song that is. Uh, Will, will do fine without the instrument if the instrumental track drops out hmm. it, it just it's fine you know in other words the melody is really driving the song that, that's what i would call a hymn in simply put um so that so that's going to lead you towards more substantive uh lyrics because it really is dependent not on an octave jump in the melody or on certain rhythm it's just dependent on the truth that, yeah. that you're singing um, I think there are still a lot of songs that maybe that they don't present vague ideas of God. There's certainly those. But sometimes they'd be unclear ideas of God. Mm-hmm. 
I think any any time, I mean, there's some beautiful songs being written that I think could could be better if they focused in more. Hmm. So you sing about the goodness of God, it's going to be great because God is good, and right. and we always think he we don't we never think he's as good as he really is, hmm. but where he revealed his goodness unlike any other place is at Calvary, is in giving his son to die in our place. And I think we quickly become complacent about that and think, oh, you know, I want to see the goodness of God in other ways. You know, maybe in creation, maybe in his blessing me, maybe in feelings of, of, of warmth and closeness and nearness, his presence. Um, it, yeah, if we miss that detail regularly in our songwriting, in our leading, in our singing, I, I think we're doing people a, dis, a disservice. Mm. Uh, because those things can be somewhat subjectively interpreted. Mm. The cross of Christ, as God presents it in his word, is not subjective. He made him, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. <clears throat> so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. This is how God shows his love for us. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Hmm. It's very clear. It's very specific. And it's that kind of specificity that you find in a song like um, In Christ Alone. And on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. Um, or before the throne of God above, uh, you know, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. How did that happen? Here's how. Here's the details. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just, is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Or, another uh, song that does that very clearly, Man of Sorrows, What a Name. Uh, Man of Sorrows, Son of God, by by his own be true. What is it? For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners. No, no, well that, yes, but I was thinking of the Hill song. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Philip Bliss, Man of Sorrows, What a Name, For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. That's uh, that's brilliant. But I was thinking of, Man of sorrows, Lamb of God, by his own betrayed, the sin of man and wrath of God have been on Jesus laid. And the bridge, now my debt is paid. It is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me, whom the Son sets free, oh, is free indeed. That kind of specificity, you just look at again and again and again and say, oh, that's the proof that God loves me. And it never changes. It just gets more glorious. Mm. So, and obviously, there everything emanates out from that. So, we we talk about God as Creator. We talk about God as Father. We talk about God as Sustainer. We talk about the Holy Spirit as the one who enables and empowers us. We talk about God's provision for us. How He is our stronghold in times of trouble. How He's our shield and protector. All those things. But if we weren't reconciled to God, we would experience none of those. Mm. So that's, that's why the, the gospel is so important and crucial and enables us to, to see God's glory in its fullness. Mm. And I think we just want to be sure that our people are getting songs like that 
right. that have that kind of specificity. Is that does that yeah. answer your question? And, and <laughs> I any, certainly uh, talked a long time. <laughs> any vague idea, song examples, or? Oh gosh, I hate to give those. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just one talks about um, the Holy Spirit filling the atmosphere. Yeah. I think that's really unhelpful. Uh, we can do better than that. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't just fill the atmosphere. The Holy Spirit fills our hearts with the knowledge of God, the Father, and Jesus Christ. That's what the book of Ephesians tells us. Mm-hmm. So when you say he just talked about filling the atmosphere, it's, what are we looking for? You know, are we looking for some, like, feeling as we're gathering? And I mean, that's a very, very popular song. Right. But I would never lead it. It's just, it's not... Uh, they're just better songs. Mm. And I don't I don't impugn motive on the songwriters. So what are you guys trying to do? It's just, I think it's not clear in terms of what the Holy Spirit came to do. We can do better than, than have our people, uh, you know, have good feelings about what we sing. We, we want them to have good feelings about the truth. And Amen. sometimes they, that takes training, you know, helping them see that f- feeling good about the truth is better than just feeling good. That's excellent. Is there an idea of God that we're not singing enough about? What do you think about that? I mean, of course there is. Yes. But what would, <laughs> would, would there be something, Bob, that, that you would go, man, we need more songs about this? I think we need more songs about grace-motivated change. In other words, uh, take my life and let it be. Great song. But it's more like I surrender myself. Here I am. Um, I keep going back to two songs. One of them I wrote, so that's kind of awkward. But uh, it's because I feel so strongly about this idea. Um, one is all I have is Christ. Oh, Father, use this. Uh, now, Lord, I would be yours alone and live so all might see. The uh, strength to follow your commands could never mm. come from me. So, Father, mm. use this ransom life, my ransom life, in any way you choose. So it, the, 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 our relationship with God is grace from beginning to end. And it's not as though, you know, God does these things for us. He sets us free, and now he says, okay, now let's see what you can do. Hmm. But that's how most Christians live their lives. Right. Hmm. Uh, at, at least functionally. We know that's not true, but functionally, you know, Jesus gets us to, you know, the race, and then he says, okay, now let's see how you do. And... It's not that way. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Right. He began the work. He'll complete the work. It is his power from beginning to end. And you see Paul over and over, or the writers of the New Testament, just saying over mm-hmm. again, in Christ, in Christ, in him, in Christ, in him. And so I, I would love there to, I think there should be more songs that give people opportunities to voice this passion to obedience that is rooted in and grounded in and supplied by the grace that God has shown us in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's the first thought that comes to mind. That's the one that uh, always comes to mind. The other is, uh, oh, great God, uh, now, Lord, I would be yours alone and live so all might see the strength of, uh, that's all oh, I have Christ. Help me now to live a life that's dependent on your grace. Right. Keep my heart and guard my soul from the evils that I face. You are worthy to be praised with my every thought and deed. Oh, great God of highest heaven, glorify your name in me. Um, it's just, it's not me. I can't do this. But, oh, your grace in me produces such a passion to obey you. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we need both. both. 
It's good. Yeah, it's good. I, I love that thought of the active trust in Christ. And um, one of my themes in my life that God returns me back to a lot is the abiding in John chapter 15. Mm, amen, Jody. Yeah. And uh, if God's going to strengthen me. Bob, I want to ask you a question about um, healthy tensions. And, you know, we're talking about the theological underpinnings of what we do. Here's a kind of a way to bring it maybe a little practically in terms of actually how we live out our, our worship. Uh, you say in that uh, chapter, we never want our way of doing things to replace an active trust in the finished work of Christ to make mm. our worship acceptable. Mm. And then a couple of pages later, you write, examining these tensions in light of God's word may reveal the need for changes in your church. And so my question is for you, it seems like we try to help God out a lot, either to make our worship <laughs> acceptable or to make it, you know. Do you remember... This is a slight tangent, but you remember in the 80s when certain celebrities got saved and that was like really oh. cool to be a Christian because that athlete was a believer or that famous, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, folk singer. B.J. Thomas, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, there was lots of them. And it was like, hey, it's cool to be a Christian because, well, it's, it's, uh, God's, God's got some better people on his team now. And yeah. <laughs> sometimes I think we feel that way in our, in our presentation of our songs. And so mm. as we see the increases in technology and uh, Pat, Bob... Uh, and myself, uh, we remember the overhead projector days. We sure do. And oh, the increase man. in technology was that we went from handwritten overheads to typed overheads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's as bad as it got. It was a big advancement. Oh, yeah. That oh, sure yeah. was. It wasn't smudged, you know. And um, so lots of tech, lots of production, lots of churches spending lots of dollars in production. What's the, the balance between musical simplicity and authenticity And on one side, but also big technology, slick production, has high tech replaced our active trust in Christ? And what changes mm. do you think we need to be looking at or things that we should be aware of? I was in a conference recently. We were, I was in a panel and uh, I was talking about different ways of doing the meetings and uh, how talking about the high production value uh, church services. And Jeff Perswell, a guy I work with uh, here at Southern Church in Louisville, uh, just said, well, you know, it's going to be different because you have different aims. And that was like a, a aha moment for me that, uh, of course, it all starts with your aim, what you're aiming to do. If your aim is clear and your aim is solid and it's, it's what you're going to pursue, you'll know how to use technology. So the aim is to enable the word of Christ to dwell in people richly. That's what Paul says is happening as we sing. We're filled with the Spirit and we sing or our singing you know, uh, contributes to that being filled with the knowledge of the Father and the Son. And to, to produce a, a faith-filled understanding and response oh. so that God's glory in Christ is impacting people's minds, their intellects, their, their emotions, actually their affections would be a better word because that goes mm. deeper than emotions. And then their wills, you know, what, what they do. So that's the goal. I want to I see people engage with who God is for us in Jesus Christ. So that means it's, it's incumbent upon me to be in that place. Like, I want to be affected by, by God's glory in Christ as I'm leading. So how much can I do technologically that enables me to keep doing that. In other words, it doesn't start impinging upon my ability to focus on the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, it's funny. I was doing a, uh, I was privileged to do, honored to do a podcast with multitracks.com not too long ago. I don't think it's aired yet. I don't know when it's going to air. But I was really surprised because we don't use multitracks. I encourage people not to use multitracks. Um, <laughs> although we eventually put our songs on multitracks because I realized people weren't doing our songs because they weren't on multitracks. This is what the, the guy who interviewed me said. I think his name was Christian. Um, he said, uh, you know, the guy who started Multitracks did it because he was spending all this time preparing songs for Sunday. And he thought, you know what, there's got to be an easier way to do this so I can focus on the right things. Mm-hmm. I thought, amen, that's, that's a great mm-hmm. motive to start the company. But now, he said, what we've noticed is people are spending so much time on like getting all the tracks in order and like sequencing everything, getting everything right, that that's become this new, you know, mm-hmm. thing that we're focused on to make everything sound great and excellent and polished and like the album and and so it's it's become contradictory to what it was originally for some, for many people for some people to what it, what it was originally established to do. So I think the balance is. Appreciating the role of technology, I mean, we're not using overheads anymore. We're using ProPresenter. Um, but we don't go far beyond putting the lyrics up. We're not looking for backgrounds every week. We're not, because we don't think that contributes to the word of Christ dwelling in people richly. We're, we want them to see those words. We want them to focus on those words uh, so that it gets into their hearts. Now, we want to be aesthetically sensitive. We don't want to be, like, make it look as ugly as we can. You know, use some crummy font that people just look like, oh, you know. So that kind of stuff, not distracting. But we're very clear on the goal. We want people to, to sing from their hearts, sing with faith, have enough f- ability to focus on the glorious gospel, the God's word, so that they just, they just want to sing, and they're affected in their hearts. And you know, for every church, that's a that's a different, I think, a different standard. The bigger the church, the easier it is to, you know, have people to do things. But I would say, even for those people, I would not want to have you know a dozen people who come are coming every Sunday, and their focus is entirely on some technical aspect of the meeting. I I would want them to be able to engage because they are a part of the congregation. So if if you're in a big church and you know you need people, someone manning the videos or whatever, then I'd rotate those people. I I just I just wouldn't want someone to think, oh, I'm I'm really engaging with you know the Lord because I'm doing my task. Mm-hmm. Now that task is an act of worship, and it can be done to honor the Lord because you're serving people. But that's different from encountering God in Jesus Christ through the words that we're singing and the scriptures that are being read and the prayers that are being prayed. So I think everybody's got to weigh it, but you've got to be clear on your goal. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm. That's so good. Is that helpful? Does that make sense? Yeah, it is. And, it, and it's, it's the world we find ourselves in because part of it is we can do it. Part of it is the guy down the street's doing it. Part yes. of it is yes. there's pressure from inside to sound better, to sound like the album. And Keeping Christ central and keeping the gospel front and center is, as you said, is the core. You've got to fight against it. Use it well, wisely, but keep the, the core of the core. I mean, what, what's helped me, Jody, over the years is just to imagine that final day when, when we stand before the Lord and he's going to say, well done, something. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I don't, and I know he's, he's not going to say, well done, good and creative servant. Well, go, well done, good and innovative servant. Well done, good and technologically sav- savvy servant. Well done, good and better than the church down the street servant. Well done, good and popular servant. This, this, those don't matter. And you, you just touched on them. It's just being faithful. Faithful to do what God has stewarded us, stewarded us, given us as a stewardship to do, which is proclaim his glory in Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit using music and the Word. Yeah. Thanks, Bob. <clears throat> well, um, thank you, Rob and Jody, as well. And uh, thanks, everyone, for joining um, thank us you. on this podcast. Um, you're welcome. And uh, we'll see you next time. Worship God is a production of the Gospel Coalition Canada. For more Christ-exalting resources, go to ca.thegospelcoalition.org.